Hello and welcome. Welcome to Living Daily in Worthiness and Authenticity. I am your host, Bola Abimbola. I'm a business clarity and emotional freedom coach. I help you achieve emotional freedom from anxiety and grow your leadership confidence. This is a new series, is a new chapter. It's called Living from the Soul Center. I will be interviewing a number of women and men who are living their heart's desires, living from the soul, living their passion and doing it with such grace and panache. You will not want to miss this series. It is going to inspire and encourage you to live from your soul center and develop your intuition. So join me every week. New episodes will be released on Spotify at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings, British Standard Time. And I also invite you to check out my website, www.soulspacehealing.com. Today, my guest, my guest is Rose Banksier-Smith, formerly known as Rose Emsley. Hello, Rose. Hello. Uh, hi to everybody. Nice, nice to be here, Bonnie. Thank you. Yes, thank you for joining me. I remember meeting Roz some time ago. It's been some years, almost well, seven years ago now, with Barbara Max Hubbard um, in Mind Valley, Mind Valley Group. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it was seven years ago, but but it was um, a few years ago. Yes. And I think it was in 2000, maybe 2019. That we actually connected. So you may have done some other things with me before. Yes, yes. But, um, our connection since we met has been just delightful. And so yeah. I'm really happy to be here with you in the podcast. Brilliant. And Roz, Roz is an author. Roz is an author and a philanthropist. And she's also an internationally acclaimed interior designer and ambassador for Revival Wellness Resorts. And Rose has been through quite a phenomenal journey and I'm so glad that she's gonna be sharing that with us today. So tell us more, Rose, tell us more about your business, you, your business, your journey and the interior space. Well, certainly I'd be delighted to. So I uh, began my, my current career as an interior designer back many years ago and I, I actually moved to a country town as a teacher and I taught careers in business development and I um, thought during that time that I wanted to do something more and I was never quite sure what and I was sitting in a hair salon of all places and I was leafing through magazines of um, beautiful interiors and it made me realise suddenly what I wanted to do. And at that time, it was become an interior designer. But I was married to a farmer. I lived in remote Australia, so in a country country location, but not just in a country town. I lived quite a few miles from anywhere, and I actually lived down a dirt track. So our farm house was in quite a remote place. So I studied by correspondence, and eventually, I started to get some, I, I studied and enjoyed and did very well. I got recognition with the Design Institute of Australia. And then eventually I found myself applying for a position which was very big upheaval for our family actually because we'd been living this life in the country and I'd started getting more work and I would travel by an aeroplane to get to my projects and I would go each week. And then I got an offer to actually work for a public company uh, that was Mantra Resorts at the time. And so um, we ended up relocating. I stayed with them a couple of years and then decided I'd, it was a really busy position, as you can imagine, because it was a public company and I was heading up their design um, design program, I, I guess, so I set up all the original structure. But what happened was um, I decided to leave and I got um, an offer to start working in high-rise towers and there began my love of luxury developments and high-rise towers. But my background with Mantra Resorts meant that I then seemed to specialise in hotels, resorts, as well as luxury developments. And so I created the company, The Interior Space. So I quite literally went from a farmhouse in remote Australia to suddenly um, being in this global sphere, which, which happened over quite a few years. It didn't happen just really quickly. 
But what I did, I brought this to show you. So I ended up getting to a point in my career where I had uh, been working internationally and I wanted to upscale further. And so I decided to put all my beautiful designs and there's quite a few awards and things that I've won as well. I put them all together in this beautiful magazine, which I used as my portfolio. And then from that, I actually then approached um, large companies, large hotel companies, and delighted to say that I ended up becoming a designer for some of the largest hotel groups in the world. So literally, I think um, people are quite fascinated to think of, about that story. Mm -hmm. It was where I was actually led. I had something on my heart. I didn't really know how I was going to do it. I had to use trust a lot of the time. But apart from trust, we need to be able to think about what are the skills that we have in our hand and what do we need to, to build and, and create our lives in such a way that we get to the place that we want to go. And so I've been um, very fortunate to have a beautiful career, but that takes work, determination, trust. And then I, I always felt in the back of my mind, even though I'm being asked to speak about quite often, asked to speak to motivated women for creating careers and uh, how I might step forward and the Design Institute were fabulous. They awarded me with a um, fellowship. And so I had kind of all these wonderful things happening in my career. And I thought there still seemed to be something. And I actually ended up studying to become a spiritual coach because I felt like I wanted to um, put another dimension, I guess, into the work that I was doing. And so I didn't become a spiritual coach. But what I found is that I started to work differently with my clients. And instead of just putting the hat on of what um, people might expect would be the way that an interior designer worked, I worked more from the heart. So I actually really, and I guess I had always done it, but I was more conscious about it at this point. And so I started then really um, I would say communicating in a very um, intuitive way with my clients. And of course, um, I'm working at a high level, so you've got to present the documentation has to be exactly where it should be. But there was just this beautiful way of being able to read a space, read the people, become close. And so I was, always felt that that was good. And then everything changed. So I had, I think I, I, I ended up winning through the Design Institute of Australia. Housing Industry Australia, Professional Design of the Year, I won International Design of the Year, all these different awards. And then I, I was at the peak of my career and, and then I got sick and I got really sick and I got cancer. Mm. And uh, that, that was life-changing for my body. Mm. Wow, I love how you went from that woman watching those pictures in the magazine in the salon yeah. you know the books you know the different spaces and going from that to winning all the awards in interior design how many how many years would you say between you reading that book and you okay. get that very first award or that very first contract well, to be honest it probably took towards 20 years in total because I was also having children so when I read that book that magazine I'm a young teacher married a local farmer and then a couple of years then so I started studying but then I had my children so my career was a little bit on hold and I know I was actually um, awarded uh, a business award in our city here and I got nominated as one of the top three businessmen uh, on the coast and a lady was sitting beside me and she said oh I feel I can see all these people with their careers and at that point this was in 2018 so my children were quite grown up by this stage. Mm. And so I'm being recognised for the work that I'm doing. But what happened was this lady sitting beside me was so concerned about the fact that, oh, I've got my children and I'm not, um, I'm, I don't have a career like you. And she was also looking at young women that I think probably had chosen not to have children and families. And then mm. their careers were very being showcased on that day. And I, I remember turning to her and saying, you only get one opportunity with your children. And I took some years that were slower because I worked around children. I would do things like, for example, I might have a deadline to meet. Mm -hmm. I would um, get the children to school. 
work. Yeah. When they came home, gave them as normal as situations they could. Um, fortunately for me in those early years, uh, I worked from home, still in my remote location for a long time before we moved to the city. Yeah. But what happened was they would go to bed and I would work sometimes to two in the morning. And so it was it took a lot of dedication, but it also took quite a few years. So yes, you feel called, yes, you've got to keep building, yes, opportunities come, but the reality is some people might, but for me definitely not. I did not do that straight away. That took quite a few years to get to the point where I I was being showcased. Um, as a leading designer and businesswoman. And I think it's that holding that dream, holding the dream, regardless of what else. It's because life comes. Life comes <laughs> ups and downs, and we hold the dream and we take it through, through it all. We desire with dedication, clarifying, changing and evolving as we go, because you were not the same woman, you know, in the farm to that woman receiving that award, sitting a week. We, we evolve, we change. That's oh, we absolutely evolve, yeah. You know, and I, I think yeah. It's, yeah, it's so important not to be scared of evolving and not to be scared of change. So something that I love is to absolutely embrace change. Yeah. And for me personally, my career has allowed me to be able to really embrace that. But the biggest changes came for me is when I actually was diagnosed with cancer. So it, I had a tumour that was so large that it was inoperable. Mm. And we found out that it was stage three and I would need to go on chemotherapy and radiation in order to be able to control it. And then at that point, um, potentially have to have a complete reconstruction operation. And I, uh, I remember coming home, I'd been in intensive care and um, my husband worked away and we, my ex-husband now after 37 years we didn't make it to the end of yeah. any longer but that's a that's another chapter we can talk about later if you want but um i know i came home to the home i was having a bath i love having a bath at the end of every day it's kind of like my thing and i was lying in the bath and i remember smiling to myself and even though i knew the situation was very inoperable cancer it had gone to stage three um it was it would be a, it was a death sentence really in a way, mm. but I never felt like that. All I could think, and I remember smiling, <laughs> it's like probably if someone was seeing me in that bathtub that day, they'd be thinking, what was she thinking? But the reality was I felt like God had given me a privilege mm. and I felt like I was about to embark on a part of my life that would change my life mm. and that would allow me to learn and grow as a person. And I knew that even though I... I felt like I was at the peak of my career. I, if I'm to be honest, I felt like a fraud a lot of the time. I didn't feel like I fully stepped into who I was. And so this next part of my journey from 2019 to now has been immense. And so it has absolutely taught me so much about life. And I felt like I had always walked a path where I walked my talk, but I had to step into it with complete trust. And uh, this has been immense, I think. And I actually decided that I would journal so that I could um, learn. And after the first three months, and I journaled my book, Courage. Yes. Yeah, so Courage. Yes. Um, and that book now just had relaunched on uh, Amazon with my new name. So basically, um, what I did was I journaled so that I would not forget anything. And then when I got home from hospital, it was three months and I had another three months of recovery time. I thought in that period, I'm going to um, type up all the notes because I hand wrote a lot of them. And I thought, and it was just as I was learning, as I was going. Mm. And I felt like it was imperative that I um, captured everything that I was thinking and then I was reflecting back on it as I wrote the book. And I actually thought when I finished writing it, gosh, this might actually help some other people. And I have been overwhelmed with the amount of people that have reached out from literally around the world. So next Sunday on another live um, with a gentleman who works with mental health in um, London. And uh, he read my book and he's been passing it to people. And so we're 
going on interviews on the weekend. And so there are people literally, there's people from Canada, there are people from America, South America, Asia, uh, Europe, that have all stepped forward to say thank you, uh, including people here at home. Um, and one, one that I'll share with you that was really unique was um, there was people that were, we were in lockdown as most of the world has been with COVID. And uh, so we were all in lockdown and a client ends up phoning me and she said, yes, I didn't realise that you'd written a book. And she said, is there any chance I can get a copy? And I'd love a signed copy. And I said, well, of course I'm working with that here. But what had happened was she'd gone out on her balcony and the people next door had actually said, how are you coping? And she'd, they'd said, oh, we're going okay. And they said, look, we're, we're reading a book and this book will help you during COVID mm. because it's helping us feel stronger and safer. Mm. And so they, they, they got a lot of help from me. I had a lady whose son was a transvestite. So I've written this about how I healed from cancer and how I kept my strength and made a choice to live. And but there was a lady who dealt with her son from transvestite. Mm -hmm. um, someone else reached out who had had help mm -hmm. with their daughter had died and they'd not helped. I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't want to lose something that you said earlier. This was about yeah, sure. working from the heart, working from the heart. So mm -hmm. your business, and I will come to the cancer because I think there was a lot that went on, a divorce, cancer, as well as you. <laughs> yes, but I want to talk a bit about how there's a difference between doing your interior space business regularly like everybody else is doing and then doing it from the heart. Doing it from the heart. What is the difference between... Okay, well, I, yeah, I think what it is... But yeah. Well, we're given theory. So when we go in to learn our, our work, yeah. we're given theory. Where And I think our education system generally, definitely here in Australia, but I was actually American trained for part of mine. Um, so I think when we are given um, our theory, it doesn't really involve our intuitive or our sixth sense. And so what I like to do is to really connect people and to really listen to them carefully. And so I, of course, I work in with people, but there's also the theory behind it. But it's how do we connect with each other? And so in yeah, I believe we connect because we feel the energy of each other when we start to listen. I recall a client um, who I was working with who ended up crying. You might think, well, why is she telling us about the person who cried? But it was when I, they asked this client, had asked me to come in because they were working with an architect at the time who was very talented, but they felt like they, they weren't quite getting the idea across of how they wanted their home to be. So when I work with people, whether it be a business or a private client, I need to actually tap into who they are as people. Mm. And I need to be able to fully understand what makes them tick and how they live and who they are as people. So I actually don't just look at the physical spaces, which of course I have to, and I don't just look at how they live, but I look at who they are and I get a sense of who they are from inside. So I see if I'm watching the dynamic of a family or the heart of a person, I'll say this is what I see and I want to reflect that back into the material. Because I'll leave and it doesn't matter what theory I'm following. If I haven't projected their personality and their life into that property, no matter how cleverly it's designed, it will never feel like their home. So that's what I like to do, is actually sense their personality and then bring that into their property or their business. And this, is, this I think, is really where emotional intelligence comes in because you are coming from a place where you have understood your own self in, this, in the way that you, your intuition works. You know that you were being led by your sixth sense. It's not just about what you have read in the books. It's about what your body, what your mind, what your spirit is saying to you. And you were being led by that to connect with another because we cannot know another. 
We can only be led to understand some things they're not saying, some things they're not saying, some things that they're not doing in front of us. But we really get to get, um, we really come to understand um, a, 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 the picture of who they are. And this is really what enables us to connect more, to have a deeper resonance, have a deeper rapport. And that only influences, influences our work positively. It expands and amplifies our resonance with our clients, our resonance with those that we are interacting with on a personal basis. So I loved what you, I really wanted to pick up on that because when we work with the heart, whether it's to do with our work or to do with our personal life, we really come from, to, you know, from a place where we are not connecting with what is theory. We're connecting with what is infinite intelligence, that intuition, that wisdom within us. And we come to know the things that we would never have known. We come to understand the things that we would never have understood about other people and about ourselves. So I really wanted to touch on that. But I also wanted to touch on the cancer and how that came about and also the divorce because that was 37 years. And that leads me to this thing about your journey because you had met, you know, you had been together in the farm, you had worked hard, you'd had children and you hadn't built a successful life with this, you know, in this marriage. Mm -hmm. And then, something happened something happened yeah. tell us a bit about that journey that okay. journey and, how so, the, and, the, and the cancer as well well i think something that i will comment on is that um i think quite often as as women but potentially men do this as well we tend to to get an idea or i know this is definitely the one to be wrong is that i i felt like this is how a designer should be, this is how a wife should be, this is how a mother should be. And you wear a whole lot of hats and you actually sometimes miss the essence of who you might be specifically because you're fitting in with a whole lot of people. And in Australia especially, um, and now it's evolved a lot and younger people may not say this, but certainly I'm 60. So people might say um, and be aware that people that were brought up in my era, not so much as it was for my parents, but certainly for me, we were taught that our career was really there for us to have until we got married. And so it, we, we really, our up, my upbringing was very much about serving for the family and the home and all those things. And um, certainly, um, of course, I had lots of happiness and I adore my children. I think that's you know, an important factor. But what happened was when I got into the hospital situation, and I don't want to dwell on the cancer too much because it's actually past now and I'm in a much more vibrant time just coming out of that. So I feel like I'm coming out of the cocoon. But what I actually recognised was that I was a lot about what I did instead of who I was. And I hadn't really given myself permission to think too much about who I was. I kept trying to fit these molds and I would say I was like I was living a life within a life because it was a part of my personality that I think I didn't allow to come out. And now I'm a lot more honest about who I am as a person. Mm. It doesn't mean I'm not an advocate for my husband, definitely not, because I also had a very successful, long marriage um, and we, we loyally stayed together and we had some wonderful Times. But I think sometimes things finish, people evolve that you spoke about before. And you both get to a point where maybe you evolve together and you're not the same things, mm. and maybe you don't. And I needed to address who was I as a person. And I think this whole journey allowed me to think, okay, what I've done is because of who I am. So the success that I've had and what the energy that I put in is because of who I was. But also, who was I moving forward and did I want to have the same life or do I need to be doing something different? And it's not that you, you don't love the person, but it's almost disrespectful in a way, or it would have been for me if we'd stayed longer together. Mm. So for me, I felt like it was 
the most respectful thing I could do is to say it's time for me to part because there are other things I want to do. And if I drag you into that, if I make you do that, then you miss out on doing what we want because our paths had started to go separately. Now, there are many, oh, many so people that don't have that. And that was before the cancer came about. Uh, yeah, we had started to, uh, to, to live very separate lives and we actually made a decision at the beginning of 2018 mm. that we would start to live separately more often so that we could each, because we were very aware that we were wanting to live different lives. And it wasn't, and I, I you know, it's a very personal journey, but it, it did not work for us to continue to stay married and continue to live very separate lives. And I guess the cancer gave me the um, courage, I would say, uh, which I didn't even put that in the book because there was a lot more to come. Which maybe one day I'll put in another book, I'm not sure. But certainly, um, what's in the current book is very much about uncovering me as a person and learning about my personal strength that I could use in any situation, no matter how dark and difficult it is. So, whether you're facing cancer, marriage separation, COVID, you can find the you can find your own inner peace and purpose. And move forward, and I think I believe that. Well, I love that. Thank you for sharing such a personal journey. I really wanted um, to hear about that because 37 years um, in one direction, a lot of us find it difficult, and me included, to change, to to evolve into something else. It must have taken great courage, great courage to leave that, knowing that you were evolving knowing that you wanted something different. And I've been through that. I've been through different careers in my life. I've been through divorce. I've been through, I was a politician. I left that because it was not me anymore. And when we come to a place of being more aware, being aware of what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're doing, what we're choosing to do, I think it leads us to evolve with more ease because we change anyway. And it's whether we're changing with chaos or we're changing with more ease. That change will occur. You know, divorce can happen with, you know, such cat- catastrophe. And it can happen, you know, in gradually with a, with a deeper respect for each other. And I've experienced both types, you see. So it is really, you know, I just wanted us to share a bit about about that because that's really critical when it comes to spiritual awakening and the title of this podcast is going past impossible going beyond the impossible this is something that i know that you have done many many times Ross. and i would yeah, experience it <laughs> yes and i'd like to hear a bit more about how you turned you know you turned all of that how you've created this this, you know, this beautiful life where you're now a speaker, you're now a philanthropist, you know, you've got your book, Courage, and the title of the book, I'm going to, I love the title, it says, I've chosen life, and life has chosen me, and I think that is such a beautiful, a beautiful title, because it's about acceptance, it's about acceptance of what, what we're doing on this journey, in this lifetime, and I love the way you have transformed from that girl in that salon to this phenomenal woman in her 60s. You know, your kids have grown up. You've overcome, a, you know, literally a terminal, you know, it's a terminal, you know, illness. And I also know from your bio that you, you actually were allergic. You were one of the 1% of the population in Australia who were allergic to chemotherapy. How do you overcome cancer when you are allergic to chemotherapy? So you really have gone beyond beyond that impossible. But tell us a bit more about how, you know, how yeah, you your book, how your book is really something that you have cap, used to capture that journey and what people will learn or be inspired with. Be inspired. Well, I actually speak about uh, about actually being allergic to chemotherapy because. That highlighted something that I think is important that a lot of people, including myself, need to remember sometimes. If we can have tough times where we're given particular labels, 
that things should be a certain way. You learn that things should be a certain way. So in regard to uh, my treatment at the time, it was the only way you're going to heal is you have a certain amount of chemotherapy and a certain amount of radiation. And I became allergic to chemotherapy. So I, I, I got to a terrible state where I had complete burns over my body. I could not use my hands. I was journaling, but I had to record the journal. So actually, when I look back, it's a bit emotional to look back and see the fact that here I am on this recording myself because I couldn't use my hands. So I could continue to um, keep a documentary about going about how my whole uh, life was at that particular time. I lost my ability to walk, so I had to go in the wheelchair. And I was in horrendous pain. And I end up in the hospital uh, and on the drip for 10 days in hospital for three weeks in acute care. And it was almost like, I felt like the nurses were angels that walked the halls at night and that, that come and look after us. It was, it was an incredible experience. But what happened was when I got out of there and I get to my oncologist's office, and uh, I said to him as I walked in, I don't actually belong out there because there were a lot of people that I felt had the energy that they just decided I'm sick. I've been told I'm sick, so I, I might die. And I said, I, I'm not like it. And he said, Rose, you're allergic to chemotherapy. I want you to prepare for the worst. I, you know, get this, get your things in order because we can't, we can't hear you. And I, I remember distinctly, I felt like we were slamming one, but of course, you can't, it's not really ladylike. And, so, and I wanted to cry, but I thought, if I cry, what will that do? I won't hear him properly. So I managed to really get some strength there, and I listened to what he had to say. Then I went home, and I ended up meditating, and I made a decision that I would live. And I thought, I love life. Life's chosen me. I'm choosing life. And that's kind of how the book came about. But I was in the middle of the night, that same night, and I woke up because I'd also decided that I would try and I'm going to heal any way I can, heal myself, and I'll get the didgeridoo dealer and I'm going to have these proper waters and all this. And then it was like, no, you've given me power away. And this to me is a very, very important lesson because the minute we get into a problem, and we realise, gosh, I'm in a difficult situation. We're looking for help from everywhere. And, in fact, what we need to do is to go within. And I really got a distinct message from God that night. You need to go within. You have the power to heal this. Don't give away your power. Don't choose fear. You need to trust. Come on, you can do this. Now, that wasn't the exact words I heard. There. If we read back in the book, you would see it. But uh, what... What I understood from that and what I got the strength was, no, I don't want the water. I'm not having that, that special water. I will eat the diet that I feel right and I will get a lot of organic vegetables and, and I wanted to honour my body that way. I went into meditation every day. I walked regularly, but I knew I could heal myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember the meditation that I was in when I felt the cancer leave my body. And I actually had... I knew that our, our cells of our bodies are changing all the time. Yeah. And if I could generate positive thoughts of healing and if I could vision myself to be healing, just like I visioned myself to, to be uh, a designer of clients that are of global scale, if I could bring that energy, but this time more, because this time it's about there is no life if I don't do this, and I could heal and I actually healed. I ended up, didn't need to have the operation. I healed myself. And, of course, it was the doctors, it was the chemotherapy, it was the support teams around me. But that meant I had to dig deep and I had to really trust. Now, I went back into a, a difficult situation when it, I, you know, you'd think I was healed, and that is when cancer returned. And I ended up allergic again. Similar thing, but I went through the whole I ended up with a stone bag, total reconstruction surgery, because I wanted to make sure there was nothing. But again, I was allergic to the chemo, and I ended up having to remember I've chosen life. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I now have, it seems funny to talk about, but I now have a new rectum, mm -hmm. and I have um, 
about a large part of my bowel is gone. Uh, but at one point, even during that operation, if you're being watched, if you choose life, it's amazing what can happen and the beauty of creativity. So we can get frightened, but, you know, they had to split me. They were losing me in the operation. They had to split me from side to side so I didn't have the keyhole that I was meant. And a robot was operating under and the surgeon was operating on top. When she came to tell me later, we saved you. So I feel like I'm the cat with no nose. And now, you know, that's why I've gone into philanthropy more so than ever and a new way of working because you get this opportunity. Now, the surgeon cried when she told me the story of them saving her. She'd been up a lot and she was tired as well. But it was just this gift. And we're looking for miracles all the time, that every single thing around us is a miracle of creativity. And I was witness of being in the middle of living this life with people that save lives for a living. And we had this incredible technology that a, a robot can come in and operate in the lower part well, well she, my surgeon operated on the top in a very complex operation in order to be able to save my life. That's a miracle. And I think every single time when you see something, even the cup, I've got a bit of a from cup here, it's very big, I've got lots of tea in it, that every single thing that's around us is a miracle of creation. It's been designed by somebody and they're created with. And we are surrounded by miracles everywhere. Wow. I love that. I love what you said about whatever is going on on the outside of you, when you've been given a label, when it's overwhelming, when there's so much fear, depression, anxiety, to actually know that the power is not out there, the strength is not out there, it's within us. And that mm -hmm. takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of self-love for us to even think there is something in us that can be strong. It takes a lot of resilience for us because we're building resilience when we go in, but it takes some degree of resilience, some degree of trust for us to go within. But it is the, um, it is the only way. And I love what you, what you have demonstrated because you are a testimony and so am I. So am I, a testimony of having been through having been through a really dark time and using, using the tools that we have, using meditation, using you know, our beliefs, using a sense of, of, of trust, using surrender, using forgiveness, because there's a healing that needs to take place. There's a healing that needs to take, and that is what the meditation is doing. That is what all the, you know, the times we're going within, we're actually going within to heal to heal what is within us that is now holding us back. And for us to be able to expand even more, to embrace life, we have to let go of that constrictions, of those constrictions within us. And I think this is a real demonstration of that. And I love the way that your story is, has evolved, has evolved into that place where you you know you you know you have actually used those tools, um, meditation as well as I'm sure breathing is another thing that I use definitely because I also have been through you know through through, through that really dark place um, and as a parent of a child with special needs is now 25 and going through a divorce as well as having a diagnosis of of, of autism for you know for my son and knowing that this journey was now going to be on my own. I knew that I had to go within and I had to use the tools, the tools that were available to me. And this is prayer. This is about understanding the goals that we have, clarifying those goals, really becoming clear, really allowing ourselves to let go of the fear, the fear that comes when life sucks, because life can suck sometimes. And I, I think that is what I'm loving that you're, you know, that we're sharing today, allowing people to know that they have to go with it. We well, we, I think very much when you talk about the fear, if you swap fear out for love, then there can be no fear. And I think for a long time, I really believed, I've always believed in God, but I always believed it was something outside that I had to reach. And if I was good enough, I'd get there. And during this process, I remember thinking, who am I? And one day, 
looking in the mirror and realizing I am a unique individual, but I'm part of the collective. I'm part of this beautiful universe. I'm part of the collective of humankind. And it was during that time that I started to realize that God was within me. And that, in fact, if I draw on that power and it really open up that love of God, then when you realize God's within you, then in my opinion, it was that I started to feel differently about myself because you, you do love. I always felt that I, did, that I love God and so if you weren't loving yourself, you know, how do you, how do you actually navigate life? You can't. And I, I came to realize that if I drew on that strength, then what happens is you radiate out the type of beautiful, loving energy, and people are attracted to you. And I found that, that that's really what's happening is that we are opening up the sense of our connection to everybody and the love of God, and that then, in my opinion, allows us to attract the people around us that we're calling at a particular time. Wow, the love is in there. The love is in us. But we have to pull. We really have to pull. No, we forget. I call it temporary amnesia, where we forget who we are. We forget that the love is in there because we have been conditioned to think we're not worthy. We've been conditioned to think that we, we do not belong or that we're not good enough. And when we pause, when we feel that in self-awareness and we pause and we catch, we catch that loop, that negative loop, that negative stream, and we catch it and we hold it. And we begin to write a different story, a different theme, believe something more positive. It takes practice and research has shown that it takes at least six to six days for us to retrain our mind in order for us to begin to go within. To begin to go within is not an overnight thing. It oh, takes no, <laughs> definitely not. It takes intentional practice. Everything takes time. Yes, yes. And I think the good thing about where we are now is that science is beginning to catch up with spirituality. It's beginning to catch up with that deeper personal transformation process. And I love how we are both saying that same thing, that we need to go within. But in order to do that, we need to pause and really catch that negative loop because the love within us is what will allow us to really embrace life. Yeah, we need to make a decision to say, yes, yes, I want more. Yes, this is what I want. And then to embrace it fully because if we only embrace it half, we get half. If you only try it for Mm -hmm. anything, at half mask, you're only going to get half of that. So it's whatever you choose to do. If you take it on with the figure of an athlete, then you will reap the rewards. Oh, I love that. Determination. It's got to be, it can't be half-hearted. It's got to be a daily, daily practice. Full, full force, full on. Yes, yes. And, and I think that unfolds our language too, our personal language to each other. So if, if, for example, I'm thinking I'm hoping to do something or, or I'm, I'm going to try to do that, if you're hoping or trying, you're not actually making it. I am healed. I am healed. I know I can heal. I know I can achieve these things. At the moment, I'm taking on a big philanthropy project and it, it is a huge thing to want to do. But, uh, and it's for the bringing creativity as a way of saving women and children uh, from impoverished areas. And that's a huge thing to do. And we're, we're beginning on it now. But it's, people have said, my goodness, that's large, I wouldn't take that on. But in fact, I just believe within me that it's I'm called to do it. And I know that we can make this. Yes. Now I'm just checking to see if anyone is joining us and I can see Iona saying, hey, live. <laughs> Thank you, Iona. Yes, so this is, this is, this is, um, this, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Roz. And I think this is, this is one of the things that I, I, I wanted us to really, really, you know, touch on, to really inspire, inspire those who, you know, because some, sometimes, you know, we've all been there 
where we're so overwhelmed and the fear is can really um, take over, take over our mind, take over our work, our business, and our health, our health. And it's coming to a place where we are understanding that love, love is what we need to connect with. And that love is not outside of us, it's within us. And the love that is within us is what we will now reflect to the outside and find rest. The, the other thing I came to recognise was um, the power of now. So Eckhart Tolle speaks about this a lot, and I didn't really get it before, but what I recognise now and um, is that fear is when we are allowing our minds to go into the past or the future. So an example would be that at one point in my whole journey, and if I'm going back to the cancer journey again, but I remember I was about to go to an MRI machine and they finished putting the drip or whatever it was into my arm and I'm lying there and I became overwhelmed to cry. I suddenly felt really scared and this was um, a few weeks into the whole thing and I hear this voice say, you're choosing fear. Why are you allowing, you, you chose courage why are you allowing fear to come into your mind? And I was like, who said that? <laughs> it was like I could hear this voice. And, but what I recognised at the time was that I was taking experiences that I knew that were in the past. So it might be a friend that had died of cancer, things that I saw on television. I was imagining lots of negative things. And then I also saw my children looking in my grave, grave site. <laughs> And that was in the future. That hadn't happened. So the thing in the past was in the past. It wasn't a reality of this moment. My children were not looking in the... Why was I even thinking about that? Mm. And instead I had to bring my mind back. What's the reality? The reality is I'm about to go into a machine that will allow them to have a good look inside my body to see what was going on without having to cut me from one end to the other. Mm. And that and I was in the hands of technology designed by people who save lives for a living. And, in fact, that was the now moment. And I think if we define ourselves fearful ever, the first thing we've got to do is stop allowing our minds to jump in the past or the future. We need to go, okay, what's happening now? Am I okay? Is there a minute? Yes, I am. Mm. What do I need to do to get myself to where I want to be? I've got to remember who I am and the strength I've got within me. I'm not going to allow myself to be driven into a place that's not real. What, what can I draw on now? What strengths have I got in my hand to allow me to heal, to allow me to go for that interview I want to go for, to allow me to try for that opportunity there, to walk through that fire, whatever it is, um, to get through surviving COVID having closed my business, which is another thing that happened to me. And so it's a case of we can't allow those negative things to allow us to go into this crazy um, turmoil. And I did that at one point um, when I was going through the whole marriage separation thing. The stress of that on top of the stress of the operation, allergic to chemo, lots of reasons, my hair began falling out. In fact, I lost the majority of my hair. So I was pretty much bald. You can't tell now because I've actually been. I started very, work very early today and I've got so much hair. But look at my post and you'll see that I now have a lot of beautiful silver hair. But uh, and it came back and I lost my hair because I was so nervous and I was agitated and I was worried about all those things. And my body just let the hair go. And it was I was with a specialist who said, you must think your life's like you're in a nightmare. And I said, actually... I'm grateful for my personality and it was that that actually made me think, okay, mm. I've got to walk away from that stress I've got back in there again and I need to think about I can't do anything about things I can't control. I need to get grounded. What do I need to move forward? And it was at that point that I started to be in now mind again. Mm. But it's, it, you can even have it perfected and something will come and trigger it. So we need to be conscious all the time about how we're allowing the language that's going on in the mind and that jumping into the future and into the past instead of staying in that moment and being very present. 
How do you do that with your clients? I'd love to know. Um, oh, with clients? I always <laughs> ask is, you know, how do you, you know, with, you know, with your work that you do now, how do you really help? help your your clients and those who you're working with to to be in that present space because you're right we cannot do it in the past you know it is done and we can have the memories of the past to help us to live better now and the future is what we are creating now so there's no point dwelling on it we can actually have goals about it but those goals we are creating now we are actually better off focusing on our day-to-day. And this is why I love a lot of the religious work around daily bread, your daily bread. This is about how we eat that daily bread. And so really I wanted to know a bit more about how you help with your work. It's whether it's your philanthropy or whether with your, you know, what you're doing right now and how, what others will, will do with you when they come in. Well, I think when I'm when I'm working, what I like to do is to allow myself some time to imagine what things can be. Because I think if we can imagine it in our minds, we can actually make it happen. And in order for it to be real, in my opinion, we need to create it. So my work, my interior design work, uh, in particular projects, that's how I do it. I actually think about, I take in all the factors and I think about what I want to achieve. And then you start to put things in place and you just work your way through it. Mm. But I think if I'm to reflect really by how I use those skills in my everyday life, when I'm creating my philanthropy project, which is huge, whether I'm writing another book, which I'm currently doing, whether I'm working with clients, what I do is I imagine what is the thing that I would love to do. And then not to become fearful about how I'll never get that done or I'll never be able to do it, but actually to think, okay, what do I need to do now? If I started to become fearful, I wouldn't get anything done. So I need to be organised. And I think I remember hearing once Jim Carrey, I think it was, he said in an interview, you can't just go and eat a sandwich. So Mm -hmm. I actually agree with that immensely because I, I believe that we need to have a plan. So otherwise it's just a wish. And so what I like to do is actually set up a plan. I just, I'll show you one that I'm currently working on. So that's something that I'm doing at the moment. And it's just mapping out. So I'm, I'm starting with these are the things that I, I need to happen. These are the parts of. So I'm looking at scholarship programs, what we're going to have in the global villages that are these safe houses, how we're going to educate people how I'll use creative, so I'm going to be working with creative communities. Creative communities have also had a tough time because of the COVID situation. So I'm looking at creating abundance for creative communities who will create a sense of humanity by opening up their creativity. Combining together, we'll we'll find particular products and things that we'll do, Mm. books, music, T-shirts, we've got a whole lot of different things that we'll be involving. And then the, the funds from that will go back into actually working with these women and children to be able to get them safe, fed, educated, and then allow them to be able to bring their creative gifts forward. Now, there's a lot of things that goes into the planning of that. So I imagine it in my mind, and I believe I've been given a vision, and I saw a vision of what I need to do. And then now I'm starting to piece together all the components to make that happen. And I think our most important thing is to allow ourselves to imagine, but you can't stay in the place of imagination. In order to make something happen, we need to be able to turn it into a plan that we can work on a daily basis, step by step, where we can actually measure where we're going and what we're doing. And then we get an idea of who we need to help us. Yes, wow, I love that. I love the way you have that vision. And I know that one of the things that really stops us from taking that step is that lack of faith. And I know that, you know, I love to quote what Martin Luther King Jr. said about faith being taking that first step, even though we cannot see the entire staircase. And that staircase is not, is invisible. We cannot see it. We are wanting to be reassured about the success of something, but it is not possible. So it's about being able to really take that first step and come to a place where we are understanding that 
we will not be reassured. The reassurance we are seeking is not is not going to come from anywhere, but from within. Yeah. Yeah, from absolutely. Within. I actually wrote something that's on the back of my book. Yes, go ahead. Yes, let's hear it. Uh, it's miracles only happen when we give ourselves permission to choose from within. My time with cancer has been a privilege, allowing me the opportunity to learn and grow as a person. It's my hope that by sharing that story, that I'll inspire others to see, regardless of circumstances, anything is possible. So the quote was, miracles only happen when we give ourselves permission to choose from within, which is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. And that I've, I've written a lot of quotes in this book, but that that's one, and it's where we need to be able to decide for ourselves. Yes, we can do it. We give ourselves permission. That is it giving ourselves permission, my goodness, you know, and sometimes we have been led to feel that, um, you know, we do not have any power. We do not have any yeah. power. Permission has to come from somebody else. It has to come from something outside of us. There's a God outside of us that has to give us permission, but the God is within us. The God yeah. is within us and he will be, there's God outside of us that we reflect and connect with outside of us, but the God inside of us is there love is within us and i believe it's that love that really allows us to choose to give ourselves permission to pause that is where the strength comes from and this is why i'm loving this series because it's really about helping people to understand that we cannot really avoid or ignore or diminish the spirit within our spirit beings that is who we are and i think the more we can connect and live as that the more powerful we are, the more powerful, uh, the more miracles we experience in our day to day. So yeah, yes, and, um, I know people now want to know, Roz, where can we connect with you? But first, I want you to just share, share with us. So there's some of us who may be going through a whirlwind at the moment, you know, and do, you know, just a piece of advice, something that you have probably experienced or you have seen others experience, a piece of advice that will help anyone going through a lot of overwhelm or a bit of overwhelm at the moment. Oh, well, some advice. I think um, for me, probably it's a little bit what we've just spoken about before, is uh, not to allow yourself, your mind to get running away with fear and to know that anything is possible and to, to really keep, keep the courage and you do that, I think, by staying in your mind, without, without doubt. And I think if we have periods, we're going through tough periods, we can think those periods are the worst thing possible. But in fact, they might be some of the greatest gifts that we ever had, because in fact, it becomes the catalyst for moving forward. So I know um, a lot of times we might feel what you think is that punch in the stomach feeling where, you know, everything's going wrong, you feel really negative, but that is actually what I believe is contrast. And that is where we start to realise, okay, I'm at the point where I no longer want to be in this place. And it's not, and that comes from different periods of darkness for lots of different reasons, and everybody goes through something in their lifetime, I'm sure. Mm. But it should be, rather than being fearful about that or feeling like we're stuck, we should think, okay, this this thing, I'm realising it's not right, it's not gelling with me as a person, I need to get out of that. Why am I feeling like that right now? What, what can I do? And the first thing we've got to do is recognise I don't want to be in I want to go somewhere else. I want to be in another place. And then from that we can start to think, how can we turn, our, turn this situation around? How can we actually then move ourselves forward and that's when of course you, you create your plan and you don't lose the sense of faith that you have. Um, I guess one little quick example would be which is I wanted to get a new name because I felt like um, I'm going to be an author, I'm going to be traveling around the world and eventually travel again. I am an author but I'll be writing the books. Um, I'll be doing more public speaking I'm sure. And so my name, my name before I was married was Smith and I wanted to get another name and I was starting to look at all different names that I could possibly hyphenate names. 
And people were coming up, some friends were coming up with names they'd be too embarrassed to use. And then I ended up, I went down to the beach at the time I was living on the beach. And I went down and I was just meditating, meditation to this prayer. So I was just sitting quietly reflecting and being grateful for everything and thinking about the fact that I was on my mind. And suddenly I got the name Banksy. So my name now is Banksy Smith. I thought it's an Australian wildflower, so it can't be tamed. I kind of liked that, um, but it was Australian. But when I went upstairs and I went back into the house, I actually realised and I looked it up, it meant rebirth and new beginning. So I believe spiritually I was given it. And so that name now I had made legal so that my name now is Ros Banksy Smith. So rather than get a tattoo to a name, I have my name. Every time I write my name, see my name, I know that that is the catalyst for me to, to remember this is about rebirth and new beginnings. And then I can work as bravely as I absolutely need to be in order to do the things that I believe um, I need to create and do moving forward. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Because really sometimes when we are in that place of overwhelm, we only think of that and we, we don't realise the bigger picture. And I always like to share about five different areas of our lives. The spirituality, there's also our personal well-being, there's economics and finances. There's a collective contribution to our work, whether it's voluntary or it's paid. Then we have our relationships, our social relationships or personal relationships. And sometimes something is going wrong or something is overwhelming us in one area. It could be health, it could be finances, it could be our relationships, but it's really worth looking at the bigger picture and having that sense of, okay, so something is not going right yeah, but there are other things going on. I still have my health, and sometimes we don't have health, but we still have a bit of money to spend. We still have our financial freedom. Sometimes we don't have a financial freedom, or so we don't even have our health, but we have a loving partner. We have a loving, a loving family. Sometimes we have all of that, and then we do not have a good career. You know, there are different things that happen and life comes in so many different zigzags, isn't it? And it's about having that whole picture and understanding that, yes, there is something that I'm going to learn from this and there's something I'm going to evolve from this. And I love the way you evolve on that beach with a new name. You know, that is, that is really fabulous. Thank you so much, Roz. Thank you so much. People may now want to know, not may, they want to know now how we can connect more with you. Well, I'm on, uh, I'm on Instagram. So I do two separate feeds there. One is Roz Courage Life. And that's where I share um, more about my book, Courage, and my thoughts about creativity and um, choosing life. And it's also related to wellness because I'm a wellness ambassador as well for um, Revivo Resorts. And then my other feed is Roz the Designer, which is about creativity. And I showcase a lot of beautiful resorts that I work in. So it gives people an opportunity to have a look. And I intermingle that with um, quotes that I've done. I'm also on um, Facebook. I'm happy for people to connect with me. I um, love the idea of expanding my network and getting to know people. Like our follower, we keep in touch through Facebook. Uh, and I share quite a lot on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. My book, Courage, is on Amazon. And if anyone is interested in getting a soft copy of um, my design magazine, they can let me know follow their email, and I'm very happy to email them a copy. And they can read through and have a look at some of the projects that I've worked on with an idea if someone's interested in design or Thank beautiful you. holiday locations where I happen to be the design for. Thank you so much, Roz. I'm just going to check if there's anyone we want to say hello to, and we may, we may, we may get some comments later on, and I'll look forward to passing them on to you. So thanks yes, so much, Roz, for joining me on this episode of Living from the Soul Centre. It's, uh, I'm going to go and have some dinner now. So yes. It's quite late here in Australia, so 
I know. I get around to breakfast, <laughs> and now it's well after dinner. So it's that was not a healthy wellness thing to do. So don't anybody do that. <laughs> yes. What time is it over there now in Austria? Uh, I'll tell you. It's it's eight thirty now. Oh, eight thirty. Brilliant. So it's time yeah. to have breakfast. <laughs> it's eleven thirty here in London. So. We are we are just about starting today, and you're just about coming to the end of it. But um, we are. <laughs> thank you so much, Rose. And I also want to thank my listeners and followers, and um, look forward to seeing everyone again at the next episode of Living from the Soul Center. Thank you. Oh wow! I'm going to stop the recording.